The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Thursday, October 26, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning, and it is a little bit earlier this morning. Thank you for joining us. You can obviously hear on the MMA Fighting Twitter space, you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a fantastic week. We are still sort of feeling the hangover effects of UFC 294. Islam Makachev's big win, Hamza Shemaev's performance. The questions still remain about Shemaev in his middleweight prospects after his victory over Kamara Usman. But then that hangover isn't as severe on this Thursday because our attention was brought to the next pay-per-view, UFC 295. I left New York on Sunday evening, heading home, thinking, you know what? I'm going to be back in this place, in New York, in the studio for the watch party in 20 days, and we're going to see John Jones versus Stipe Miocic for the UFC heavyweight title. Legacy fight, all of that. Two big names. John Jones, second fight this year after winning the belt. Could be the final time he ever fights. Could be the final time Stipe ever fights at Madison freaking Square Garden. I mean, that's a very, very big deal. And then Dana White pops on social media. I'm asleep, by the way. I didn't know any of this happened until like 4 a.m. Wednesday morning when my dog started barking and said, Dad, get your ass out of bed. I got to go outside and 
do my thing in the front yard. And then I just opened Twitter. And that was a mistake because then I found out what the hell was happening. John Jones tears his peck. He's going to be out for a hot minute. He's out. Stipe's out. And now Yuri Prohashka versus Alex Pereira for the light heavyweight title. One of the best fights on the schedule for 2023 that is left is the new main event. But on top of that, we found out that on less than three weeks' notice, an interim heavyweight champ will be crowned Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall. It's going down. That is the new co-main event of UFC 295. This is really interesting. Because clearly, the bigger fight, the fight that's going to draw all of the eyeballs is John Jones versus Stipe. That is unequivocally the bigger fight. That's the one that's going to sell the tickets and the pay-per-views and all that stuff. And I've talked to some folks who spent almost $3,000 on a pair of tickets to UFC 295 just to get the John Jones Stipe fight and to be there and experience it live at the world's most famous arena. But it is a risk when you buy tickets to things. It is a very risky thing because if you, especially in combat sports, it even says on the tickets, it says it on the websites, all that fun stuff that the card is subject to change, but you still get two title fights. This wouldn't happen in boxing This doesn't happen in any other sport. This doesn't happen in any other sport. The Texas Rangers are about to play the Diamondbacks in the World Series. If the Rangers, someone on the Rangers got sick, they're not going to be like, oh man, the Rangers are out. Now we're going to bring in the Red Sox on short notice because they're well rested. It It doesn't work that way. It's so crazy that we could still get something pretty cool. Because, like I said, Jones Stipe, far the bigger fight. I mean, so far away the bigger fight. But Pavlovich Aspinall is the better fight. This is the more interesting fight. This is the fight everybody wants to see that are hardcore fans. Now, is this, is that co main event, that interim heavyweight title fight, is that going to bring in a whole bunch of casual eyeballs? No. But for us, the crazy people who woke up, an hour and 15 minutes earlier to hop in this space. This is the better fight. This is the more intriguing matchup because there is not one second since Jones Stipe was made that I thought Jones wasn't going to run homeboy over. That would have been a cool moment. It's crazy year. Things happen. But I thought John was just going to run Stipe. But now we have a fight where I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. Aspinall is really, really good. Pavlovich is a terror. Both guys are on great runs. Aspinall obviously had the hiccup and the comeback. And, you know, he beat Marcin Tybora. To me, I thought this was a little too soon. I would have been cool having this fight regardless. Aspinall gone made, like, all the sense in the world to me. But then gone just kind of talked himself out of the opportunity. And now he's, like, out of the conversation altogether. And he's probably going to have to fight Jailson Almeida after he beats Derek Lewis next week. So, like, this is pretty cool. Like, I am, I am fascinated by this fight. I really am. I really am. But, yeah, the pay-for-you buys are going to be far less. 
But who cares? Who cares? This fight's way cooler. And then the even better fight on the card is Yuri versus Alex. There is no other fight that I want to watch more than that one for the rest of the year. And that included Stipe versus John Jones. We had our ranking show the other day, and one of the questions asked was, what are the three fights that you are personally looking forward to the most? There are four of us on the panel. Not one of us. Not one of us said John Jones versus Stipe. None, none of us said it. Cool fight. Big names. Lineage on the line. Whole bunch of that cool stuff. But just didn't seem all that competitive to most people. But Pavlovich Aspinall, very competitive. Now, the other question that's come out of this is, should this be for the actual belt? Tough to answer. Because Dana said John Jones could be out for eight months. I'm told from, like, brief conversations that I've had that eight months is it's maybe, what's the word I'm looking for? Overcautious? That it could be sooner, but something tells me this this is probably International Fight Week. They're going to just rerun John and Stipe. But then, like, is it for the belt? Do we just have the interim champ just wait and not fight at all until that fight happens? Like, that's why this is kind of weird. Does the interim title get defended before John and Stipe fight for the heavyweight title? Like, that's the only weird thing about this. And I understand why they're not stripping John because John is like one of the five biggest stars in the company right now. And Yuri Prohashka really wasn't. So I don't understand why like Yuri got stripped. And I know they, they spun it like Yuri just self-vacated the title. I've said this a million times. I don't believe that for a second. But it just seems weird that this is for the interim title and now John's going to be out eight months. Like, does he even fight again? Like, is Stipe going to try this again? It's, I don't know. There's, I like this fight better, but it leads to more confusion in the aftermath, if that makes sense. So let's hear from you all. A lot has happened since we spoke on Tuesday, as it typically does. And we're going to go for about 45 to 50 minutes. It's going to be a very, very busy day. We have the Fury and Ganu press conference coming up later on today. BTL at 1230. I do have to drive my wife to the airport. Uh, in about an hour and 15 minutes, uh, she's going to be traveling for a couple of days. So uh, I got to get her to the airport. There's a lot going on. Uh, Ray boy, I was going to try to bring you in and then you left us. What are you doing? Well, I tried. All right, let's go to Lee. Lee will kick us off. Lee, go ahead. Hear me? Yep. Hey, yeah. Quick thing. Heck of a morning. First off, um, yeah, I just think the um, it's like a it's like real. I feel like it's a bad thing for this John Jones Stipe fight to get canceled, just because I I truly believe we we won't see Stipe again, especially with the interim title being on the line for Aspinall and Pavlovich. Uh, like it's just I don't see how they can have that fight and then ex- like try to fit Stipe in. So I just think he's just out of it. You know, I think he's going to retire. And then um, one more thing with with the whole game situation, I truly yeah he talked himself out of a title just from downplaying every fight that was a potential setup fight for him to fight for the title. So like yeah, I think he's he's in the same boat as uh, Duplessis. <laughs> but yeah, 
Uh, have a good morning, Mike, uh, and have a heck of a rest of the day. Thanks, man. Yeah, look, we have to also understand there's there's a few lessons that I've learned along the way since starting to cover this crazy sport. One is strike the word deserves from your vocabulary. And two, this is, might be the most important lesson to learn. UFC titles are props. That's it. They're props. Now, for the fighter, like you win the belts, it changes your life and all that stuff. But it, just winning big fights can also change your life. So, like, in the end, like, you can call Pavlovich Aspidal, like, the gobbledygooker world title, and everyone be like, oh, cool, there's a title on the line. Like, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jones and Steve Bay could fight. And plus, like, let's think about it this way. Jones and Steve Bay are probably going to retire after they fight each other, right? Like, that seems to be the consensus thought here. Now, Stipe fighting John, clear his final fight. If he wins, does he try to get a rematch with John and try to get a bag again? Wouldn't rule it out completely. But I could also see Stipe being like, nah, dude, I just beat John freaking Jones. I'm out. I'm out of here. And I think that is probably like the best thing he can do. On the other end, Stipe ain't hurting for money. Stipe is a firefighter. He loves his job, loves his life right now. This is just a big opportunity for him. And if he do- never fights again, like that's fine. But I think he would fight John. I think if they, they circle back to this, it's cool. But let's just say this fight happens International Fight Week. And let's just say that this fight goes the way that I think it's going to go and most believe it's going to go. And John just runs him. John is going to say, like, whoever wins between Pavlovich and Aspinall. Now, if Aspinall wins, maybe, maybe John sticks around. Maybe. I don't think he will, but possibly. But there's also a world, too, where John doesn't retire. He just says, all right, show me something, kids. And if you do, then I'll come back. And Aspinall winning an interim title on twenty on 19 days notice is very cool and admirable, and we will celebrate the shit out of that. Or if Pavlich wins, we will give them kudos. But John won't care. If it ain't making dollars, it ain't making sense to John at this point in his life and in his career. So basically, those two are going to fight. John's going to win. Both guys are going to leave. John's going to vacate the belt. And by proxy... Whoever wins the fight is just going to become the actual champion anyway. So that's probably like the best thing we can hope for here is that John, they rebook this fight. John wins. He leaves. Stipe retires. And then whoever wins this fight just becomes the actual champion. It just takes, a, it just takes eight months to get there. Otherwise, this is going to be super weird that we have to wait for Pavlovich and Aspinall to fight, what, November? Like, it's going to be another year before we see these guys, unless they defend the interim title. So, yeah, I do feel like we'll get that fight. I do feel like we'll get it. And then I do feel like that'll be Stipe's last fight. I'm not sure if it's John's last fight, but I think we won't see John for a, for a while. I think John will leave. And if Aspinall, like, wins the – if Aspinall wins the interim title – he finishes Sergey Pavlovich and runs off like two or three title defenses. I think John would come back and fight him. Because if that happens, Tom's going to get over big. 
He's starting to get real popular. He ain't there yet, but he's starting to get there. So that'll make things very, very interesting. So, And yes, Cyril Gunn talked himself out of a title shot. Did I? Go ahead. So, heck of a morning. So MSG took two big L's yesterday from Porzingis, too. But uh, I'm stoked. Let's go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I agree. Tom Aspinall, Pavlovich, great fight. Um, I think they took the idea of Jones and Stipe completely off the table once they said it was for an interim. Because what, like, what it's gonna be like for a Mickey Mouse belt? And uh, I like Alex Pierre versus Prohashka being the main event. I want to know: Do you think Jamal Hill should be immediately considered for the winner of that fight if the if his injury timeline um, lines up? And yeah, that's all I got. Thanks, man. Yes, Porzingis was awesome. Tatum was awesome. Celtics grind out a win. It's good to see. It was good to see last night. Do I think Jamal Hill is next? He should be. He should be next. But we'll see what happens. I mean, Jamal, Jamal Hill like has to be next right now, especially with what happens on Saturday. You had Ankle Life and Walker, like maybe one of those guys of timelines favored the winner of that fight. Maybe they sneak in there if they need to get something on the books. But then the way that fight ended and the like the the knee and whether or not it should have been a DQ, Ankle Life just can't catch a break. Johnny Walker puts his hands on a referee. Like all these things happen and it's not a good look. So those two guys are probably gonna have to fight again. And you know Yuri and Alex just gonna beat the shit out of each other. That fight is not gonna be one you could just bounce quickly back from, I don't think. So yeah, I think this is this is like the best thing for Jamal Hill. And I'll tell you what, there are the, the light heavyweight division has been cursed for a while. I'm just I'm holding my breath, I'm knocking on wood that Yuri and Alex they fight. And there is a clear winner and a clear loser so that we have an actual champion. Not saying Jamal Hill wasn't like, but again, it's still not even like the, it's, it's so, this division is so effed up. It's crazy. Cause like Jamal Hill beats Glover Teixeira. And like, there's a, a case to be made that like, he's not the actual champion because Magomed ain't alive is still the best light heavyweight. We had, Yuri, who should not have been stripped, but was, and like all this weirdness happened. And it's like, until this fight happens, and then the winner of this fight fights Jamal Hill, like we don't know who like the actual champion is. Like this whole thing is bizarre. So we kind of need this fight to work, and we need the winner to fight Jamal Hill. And I got to tell you, I am fascinated by both of those fights. Both of those fights especially after Jamal Hill's performance against Glover Teixeira. I know Jamal Hill ain't fans of the MMA fighting global rankings, and that's fine. I don't care because we have Jamal Hill's – I forget where we have him ranked. Third, maybe – where are we at? I don't know where we have him. Third, fourth, or fifth or something like that, and he was really pissed off about that. But he beat Glover, who retired, and hasn't beat a top five light heavyweight yet. His best win is – Johnny Walker? So, yeah, this is this is this is this is great. 
and Jamal Hill will be next, and as it should be. And I'm looking forward to it. Four-ounce sniper, they'll go to Toke, they'll go to J-Mac, they'll go to Cole. Go ahead, four-ounce sniper. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Uh, try again. It's not connecting. Sorry about that. Uh, Toke, do we have you? Um, so firstly, I wasn't here on Tuesday, so I'll just say I've just installed... AI plugins on my computer. I've uh, done. Uh, I've downloaded cheats to my all my computer games because cheating always wins. I've learned it. I've uh, so I'm gonna apply it to my own life uh, and just win at life apparently because I won't get uh, won't get stopped. But listen, listen. I I mean this was a great card and I will talk about this weekend though because we have this fight going on in Saudi Arabia. And uh, I'm very, it's not the fight itself I'm interested in because I just listened to a podcast with uh, Luke Thomas where he interviewed Karim Sudan, you know, this uh, journalist, invest investigative journalist who uh, kind of is in between uh, sports and politics. And he says that, and this is a very general question, so you take it ever, wherever you want. But he said that he doesn't believe that Las Vegas has the status um, to bring the biggest fights in five to ten years. Already has kind of lost some of that, but he believes it's completely gone in five to ten years. Um, because of the emergence of Abu Dhabi, Riyadh, all these uh, autocratic states and the money they keep pouring into sports and other venues for that matter. But... I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. What do you think the future of Las Vegas, which sounds very lofty, but you know what I mean. Uh, what do you think that is? And that's basically it, Mike. Have a good Thursday. That's a really interesting point. 
uh, that Kareem makes there. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think five to ten years, it's going to look vastly different. I mean, just look at the UFC right now. Look at the UFC. Their home base is in Las Vegas. But just look at their business structure now. They don't have to have – like, they could go an entire year. Like, I think International Fight Week should always be in Las Vegas. But they could go the rest of – they could go all of 2024 outside of International Fight Week and outside of the stupid Apex cards, which are not going away, by the way. They could go the rest of the year without holding a single event in Las Vegas, and they will absolutely crush it. They will absolutely crush it. Because as we talked about on the show, there are certain locations that the UFC just wants to go to. Like them going to Boston last year, like they just wanted to go to Boston. It's just one of those cities they're like, all right, we got to go back. Everyone's hounding us. We got to go back. Dana's from the area, worked out, fine. But as you have seen, especially internationally, when the UFC goes to these places, it's not because they like want to go. London is maybe the exception because London's always treated them well. But for the most part, like when they go to Australia or they go to all these other places, they are getting paid to go and getting paid a lot of money to go. So it is a whole different – it is a different game when, in that aspect because now these companies are like, we don't have to do shit. They're getting us on the phone. They're booking the venues, and they're just like, hey, we'll give you all this money, millions and millions of dollars. All you got to do is just bring a show here. Just bring a show here. We'll handle the rest. Just come. And they do, and they make a whole bunch of money, and they can sell 11 tickets, but they'll probably sell it out, and they'll charge astronomical prices, and guess what? People will spend it. They'll spend it, and they'll make even more money. So... I get that side of it. I don't think Vegas will be like obsolete, but the business is going to look a lot different five, 10 years. There's going to be much more of that going on where like every UFC event, especially pay-per-view is going to be treated like WrestleMania where like all these cities, all these major cities around the world are going to be like bidding against one another to try to get to the UFC into their area. Boxing too. Boxing as well. I think MMA, especially the UFC, I think Vegas will still be sort of the hub. But I don't think we'll have, like, how many pay-per-views are typically in Vegas? Three? March? Usually September, or March, July. It's usually been September, but they didn't do it this year. And then December. So that's three. So this year will be three pay-per-views in Vegas. And then all the Apex cards. Five, ten years, we might get one UFC pay-per-view. Well, they have the Noche card too, but I don't. that's not a pay-per-view. It's pay-per-view-esque, but it's... So, yeah. I don't know. Dana also loves Vegas too. He's got a soft spot for it. So it'll be interesting. Boxing, I think, is going to be a whole different ballgame. I mean, this fear... The Fury and Gato thing is just insane. Like we, like, we all understand what this is going to be on Saturday, right? Like, we get it. Like, we're all, we all understand what we're going to watch on Saturday. And yet, all the money being spent, all the money being paid to both those guys, which, God bless them, especially Francis Ngannou. But, like, we know what we're getting on Saturday. Like, we all get it. It's insane. And we're going to continue to get these things. 
WWE has had a very good relationship over there. UFC is going to spend a lot more time over there in Saudi Arabia. It's You're going to see more shows over there. That's for sure. But Vegas being out altogether, boxing perhaps. But I think the UFC is going to stick around. Dane is obsessed with the sphere. So I think Dana will just find his way doing it. I think they'll have to do like a pay-per-view or in a big event and then all the apex cards, but then things will look a little bit different. So, and yes, and Toke, let me just add to the cheating thing. I'm not talking about in life. I'm not t- saying like, Hey, sit your kid on your lap and be like, Hey, you want to know how to get ahead in life? Cheat. But if your kid says, if your kid's like 17, 18 years old and you sit across the table from him, and he says, I'm going to be a pro MMA fighter. You can't talk me out of it. Yeah. I'm going to be like, bro, if you make it to the UFC, cheat. Cheat your ass off because you will win. You will win. You, the first thing you should do, son, is when the bell rings, when they say fight, just run across the cage and kick a dude in the balls as hard as you can. Do it on purpose. And then just act like you didn't do it on purpose. The referee is going to give the guy a few minutes to recover. The guy's going to recover because he's probably making 10 and 10, just like you are, son. I would probably also tell him to miss weight by two and a half pounds because you're only going to lose 20% of your purse, but you'll go get your win money because you're going to cheat. And then just when he gets up, have a striking exchange. If it goes well, keep doing it. If it doesn't, guess what? Poke him in the eye. Little eye poke. There's two. No points. We're back at it. Maybe you land a good shot. Homeboy tries to take you down. But you don't feel like wrestling. Just grab the fence. Grab the fence. There's three. Still no points taken. And then if he tries it again, guess what you can do? You can grab the fence again. That's four. That probably will get you like, okay, I'm serious this time. I'm serious. If you do it again, I'm taking a point. I swear to God, this is the time. And then if you get taken down, maybe get a glove grab in there. It's a different infraction, but they're still not going to call it. And then you will win the fight. I'm not saying do that in title fights, but when you're getting your first like seven UFC fights, you should absolutely cheat every single time because they don't do anything. And referees have even gone public and said, we don't want to take points because it's going to, that one point could impact the entire fight. It is friggin' stupid. It is friggin' stupid. And I don't know how many times I have to say this. I really don't know how many times I have to say this. You don't have to take points to make a, to make a difference. Eventually, you do have to take a point. But, like, the first conversation in the back should be the first warning. When you talk to the fighters in the back, you say, hey, this is what I expect from you. That's the warning. And then if you go out and kick a dude in the balls, like, all right, look, you want to be like, shit, that's an accident? Fine. But then after that, like, we got to start taking points. And the whole fence grab thing is ridiculous. Because, like, every fight, like, every every MMA coach that holds a UFC fighter or guys close, guys and gals close to it, they should be doing one hour on grabbing the fence. Because those are never called. Ever. And it drives me fucking insane. That they just, you just grab the fence. You just grab the fence and thwart a takedown. It's so dumb. 
when you could just easily say, hey, stop. Dude who grabbed the fence, get on your back. Dude who went for the takedown, you're on top. Fight. Awesome. Then if it happens again, guess what? Same thing. But now you have to do it in the center of the cage, no fence to help you. And if it happens a third time, you do the same thing, then you take a point. Like, come on, cut the shit. It's so easy. The, the fact that you can like openly cheat and nothing happens and you still win is nuts. And I've been preaching this for three years and people used to give me so much shit for it. Gen 2, we've been the guys preaching, just cheat, just cheat. And finally, in the year of our Lord, 2023, people understand that you can just cheat and win. And nobody will stop you. It's crazy. It's friggin' crazy. Every new UFC fighter should be cheating. You're crazy if you don't. Yes, J-Mac, how are you? Good, man. Uh, so I was laying in bed two nights ago about, I don't know, 9, 10, uh, 10 p.m. And I happened to catch uh, Dana White's um, little announcement that uh, Jones and... Um, Stipe was off, and my first uh, thought was that Jones wasn't ready for the fight because, like, he just so happened to have footage of him training, and it, I don't know, it didn't, to me, did it look like he would have gotten hurt off of that? Like, it didn't look like it was anything, maybe he, maybe he was already previously injured, and then the uh, tendon um, snapped or something, but from what I could see, it didn't look like much of anything, and, the, and it's just weird that he had a practice video, I thought that was odd, but uh, anyway, you could... I'll let you talk about that. But uh, another thing I was going to ask you is, I think this matchup is it's actually better. And I'm actually more excited about Aspinall versus uh, Pavlovich because I think it's actually more competitive. And I also think that Jones and Stipe is kind of like, like a um, – it's, like, it's a super fight, but it's also a fight that I think that um, we can see later on. So I'm actually more excited about this fight. And I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on, on um, what you thought about that weird training video. And uh, if you think this fight might actually be better than uh, uh, than Jones Stipe as far as being competitive, all right, I'll take that off there. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Uh, I completely agree. This is the more intriguing matchup from a competitive standpoint. This is way more interesting than Stipe versus John. It's way more interesting. Like the pomp and circumstance, it's not like Pavlich and Aspinall is, is as great as they are. This is this is a financial hit for the pay-per-views. Like by it's a it's a big one too. It's a big one. Cause Jones Steep I it's the grocery store test. I could go to the grocery store right now here in Rando, South Carolina, and I could ask a hundred people at the grocery store who John Jones or Steep is, and chances are like 50% of them are gonna are gonna know who one of those two guys are. And if I went in there and asked any of them who Sergey Pavlovich or Tom Aspinall is, maybe one person will know who either is. And that's what the UFC is trying to grab. The UFC is trying to, to get the casual audience. They have us already. We're excited for this shit. I, I love this fight. This fight, this is a fight I would have wanted to see on the card anyways. This is a great like featured bout. Just to have it there in case you needed it. But turns out, as Tom Aspinall said on the MAR yesterday, they the UFC felt like John and Stipe were going to retire, which is a news. We've been basically talking about that for almost a year now. 
that when those two guys fight, it's probably going to be the end of the line. And that they're going to get ready to book Pavlovich Asvidal for the vacant belts anyways. And I even said, like, well, we're trying to figure out what's going to main event in January. If, 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 is it going to be Volk Deporia? That would make sense. I was like, they'll probably just do, like, the vacant t- heavyweight title fight for that card because when John wins, he's just going to leave and Stipe's going to retire and he'll vacate the belt and then those two guys will fight for the belt. So, like, it all works out. I love the fight. Love it. I d- Look, here's the thing with the first point that you were trying to make. If you are John Jones and you had this three-year comeback and you've had this up-and-down relationship with the UFC, it really hasn't been good for a long time until now. If you would call the UFC and said, like, yeah, man, hurt my peck. And then couldn't provide something. Like especially after Dana continues to put you over as the greatest to ever do it. And he didn't always say that about John. He had a lot of other things to say about John, but it wasn't that. Plus John kind of films everything anyways. It's good to just have the proof. If you're a guy like John, cause he has just been in trouble over and over again. And to me, I think this was John saying, look, man, don't strip me of the belt. I got legitimately hurt here. And it doesn't look like much. It's not like someone took a steel chair to his chest and it just like ripped the tendon off the bone. But you could hear the scream, man. You could hear the groan. And you could see John's body language. Unless he is the greatest actor in the history of MMA, uh, he looked badly hurt in there. He looked, that looked pretty painful. I don't know how it happened, but the way his body just kind of collapsed on the mat and you could hear that groan. It's just, Oh, it just didn't seem right. Um, and it's real, man. Like it's legit. It's legit. It's all legit. We were basically told, um, from conversations that I had, um, basically everything Dana said was, was legit. And it's not often that, uh, that we could say that, but in this case, everything Dana said was, was true uh, from conversations that I had uh, with other people who were in the know. And I think it happened either Sunday or Monday. But the only, the only thing that seems maybe for question is the time frame. It seems like eight months is, might be a stretch. Like this is something... John and his team are hopeful he can come back sooner than eight months. But yeah, the, the, the injury is real. The injury is legit. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Cole, go ahead. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning, Mike. Uh, I'm just picturing your son, like Fabricio Verdum style, running across at Travis Brown and just kicking him in the dick as hard, like sidekick as hard as he can. That would be awesome. And you actually would not receive a foul, which is insane for that. Um, but my question is, do you think, like, what do you think the picture of heavyweight's going to look like when John is finally healthy? How are they going to, like, spin this whole Stipe fight and be able to put that on for a title when there's going to be an interim champ at the time? So, like, basically, do you think that that Stipe-John fight ever happens? 
isn't Stipe supposed to be like 43 by the time John is healthy? Like, that's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Look, it's just going to be – here's the way I view it. They're just going to book it for July. They'll do it International Fight Week. That'll be the main event. John will win. John will, quote-unquote, leave. He won't retire, but he'll leave. He'll vacate the belt. Stipe will retire. And then, by proxy, the winner of this fight will become the actual champion. So, look, whoever wins, whoever wins on November 11th is going to be the champion come the summertime. That's it. It's just going to be a weird way to get there. It's going to take some time. It's going to take eight months for it to happen. But they're going to do everything in their power to book John versus Stipe. Because John's not going to want to fight anybody else. And Stipe is not going to want to fight anybody else either. And if I'm Stipe, like, it's John or bust. If I don't fight John Jones, then I'm gone. Because Stipe doesn't have to do this. He's made enough money fighting. He's got a pretty damn good life outside of it. This is just a legacy fight for him. This is a big, big money fight. Chance to cement his legacy. That's it. That's it. Stipe could never fight again, and he will be content. But they are going to book this fight because it's a big one. It's a huge, like, it's a big fight. As a fan and as a pundit, I don't really care about it because I think, I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen. It's two big names fighting, and that's always cool. But I think we most people understand what's going to happen there. So it's not all that compelling to me. But it also we could also be looking at the last time that either of those guys fight. So it is interesting in that aspect, and it's going to draw a lot of ire and attention. But other than that, like I feel like John's just going to run him over. And it's just like, wow, we built up all this, and now we got to build it up again for eight more months for what we expected to happen to actually happen. And then whoever wins between Pav- Pavlovich and Aspinall by proxy will just become the new champion. Like, we've done this before. We've done it before. Look at, like, you go back to Robert Whitaker. Remember, what, remember how Robert Whitaker won the middleweight title? Remember how he became the middleweight champion? He didn't win it in a fight. He beat Yoel Romero for the interim title. He was supposed to fight Michael Bisbing. Michael Bisbing fought George St. Pierre instead at Madison Square Garden. GSP finished Michael Bisbing, became the middleweight champion, and then left and then vacated the belt. And Robert Whitaker, who was the interim champion, became the undisputed champion. So it would be the same thing here. That's what I predict is going to happen. So let's just, like, that's what I'm going to basically going to say is, like, let's think about it that way. Let's think about it that way. That basically whoever wins this fight is going to be the interim champion for like eight months. And then once John and Stipe actually fight, they're just going to become the champion. I think we'll feel a little bit better about it. I've talked myself into that, but that's basically how this is going to play out. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Two questions for you. Um, So, how unhappy do you think the UFC is with Sean Strickland and his fighter pay comments, especially because he was live on UFC Fight Pass and then they kind of had to stop airing his comments and then he put them out on his own Instagram afterwards? And then um, if uh, Alex Bahetta wins this weekend, what does it do for his legacy? Um, I, I mean, 
coming in, he's going to have two belts, um, having won two belts. I mean, what do you think that that does for his legacy, especially if he can keep it going at 205, which I think would be very impressive. And the last thing I want to say is go Rangers. They're going to kill the Diamondbacks. Obviously, I have family in Dallas, so I'm rooting for you. There was a time, there was a time back in the day where I would not root for, <laughs> I would not root for the Rangers, but I'm rooting for the Rangers here. I never even, I'm sorry, I didn't even see Strickland's fighter pay comments, uh, and it seems like his Instagram is, it's been taken down. Or it's not working. Let me see if I can find. I know there's like some YouTube videos and stuff. Um, no one wrote about it. I'll have to watch it. There's like video clips of it, but I didn't see it, if we're being honest. But, it, I mean, does that surprise you? It's Sean, like, Sean is who he is. He's got to say what he feels, whether the UFC likes it or not. And Sean has done the UFC a lot of favors. So, and he ain't the only one to talk about fighter pay. And he's certainly not going to be the last one to talk about fighter pay. Um, but this is, it's kind of interesting because as I told that story a couple of weeks back, heading into 294, that Sean Strickland was the first phone call to fight Hamza Shamayev once they thought Paul Costa wasn't going to be able to go. They were going to do Strickland versus Shamayev for the middleweight title at UFC 294. Like that was the first phone call that was made. And of course they talked to Sean and Sean's like, fuck yeah, man, I'll go, I'll do it. And then Sean talks to his team and they're just like, dude, you're the, you're the champion. Like you just won the belt. You just did the favor. So don't do them another one. You don't need to. Guys should be lining up to short notice fight you when your original opponent falls out, not the other way around. And now to travel across the globe to fight Hamzat? Like, I totally understood where his team was coming from. Would have been bonkers if Strickland did it. But if Strickland, like, Strickland was, like, training on his own or whatever, he would have done He would have taken that fight in five seconds. He would have taken that fight in five seconds. All right, thanks, Matt. Uh, so there's a video. Pretty much is don't don't fight. There's no money in it. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. But yeah, Sean's the freaking middleweight champ of the world, man. His life's good. his life's about to change. It probably already ha it already has, but his life's about to seriously change. Once he starts booking fights, it's going to be real interesting to see who Strickland fights next, man. It's going to be super interesting. And then Pereira, man. If Alex Pereira, I mean, just think about this. Just think about what Alex Pereira could do two weeks from Saturday. Just think about this. This, because this is insane. This is insane. This is going to be Alex Pereira's 11th pro MMA fight. 11, 11 pro MMA fights. He went basically full-time back to MMA 
entered the UFC at three and one as a pro. And obviously he's got the extensive kickboxing background. He's got the wins over Izzy. This dude flying knees Andreas Michaelitis at UFC 268 at MSG. Beats Bruno Silva in a, in a tough fight by decision. Then from there, in his seventh pro fight, fights Sean Strickland. International fight week. Knocks him out. And then four months after that, in his eighth professional MMA fight, becomes the UFC middleweight champion, finishes Izzy in round five. Like, he already broke everything. He broke the middleweight division. He broke the pound-for-pound rankings. He broke all of it. Because this doesn't make sense. And then five months later, to make things even more interesting, Izzy knocks out Alex Pereira in round two, what's probably going to be the knockout of the year. Like a very, unless something crazy happens, it's probably the knockout of the year. And then Izzy leaves the division. I mean, Pereira leaves the division. We got this trilogy that's kind of floating around that everybody wants to see because it makes sense to do, right? Immediately after the fight, Pereira's going to 205. Three days later, Pereira's like, yeah, I'm going to 205. Beat John Blachowicz, and now he's going to fight for the belt at light heavyweight. Seven months after he lost the middleweight title in brutal fashion to Israel Adesanya. If he wins the light heavyweight title, this is nuts. Like, this run is, this would be like nothing we've ever seen before. Enters the UFC at three and one, and in seven fights, wins the middleweight title and the light heavyweight title. This would be the craziest run in the history of the sport. It has to be. This doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. Alex Pereira has broken the sport in a good way. In a good way. If he beat Jerry Prohaska, and he could do it, this is just insane. Two-division champ in, in literally two years. Two years in the UFC with only four pro MMA fights. Becomes a two-division champion. This is nuts. Yeah, I, I, it, it'd be one of the most incredible feats we've ever seen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good man. What's All right. Up? So, um, I just have two things I want to ask. Um, first thing is, um, what are your thoughts on, um, Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich, and who do you see win that fight? And just my other question related to the heavyweight, just some fight uh, matchup proposal. I want to get your thoughts on. So, you know, Volkov's currently just won against Hachi Vasa, moved out the ranks. Do you do you see him fighting maybe a Cyril Gunn? or Curtis Blade down the line, just to, you know, possibly move him up the ranks. Um, 
and or, um, also with Cyril Gunn, he he said he did not want to fight Tom Ashmore. I was thinking I would like to see him fight either Jail Telemita if he wins against Derek Lewis, which I think will happen, or Curtis Blade because from Curtis Blade's perspective, he lost to Pelvovich and that was his ticket lot to getting a title shot. But I still think he has one last shot to do so if he fights Cyril Gunn can use a game plan effectively in wrestling and win. What are your thoughts on that? Thanks, man. Um, talked a lot about Pavel Jasmine already. Far as prediction, not really sure just yet. I'd probably favor Aspinall, but not by much. Because um, I, like... Aspinall, I mean, Aspinall basically like laid out the blueprint on the MAR. He's like, I ain't going to stand and bang with this dude. I'm going to take him down. And it's going to be real interesting if Tom does take him down. Curtis Blades should have taken him down, but Curtis is like, nah, I could trade with this guy and just got wrecked in there by Pavlovich. So if Aspinall gets into a slugfest with Pavlovich, he's going to get killed. So I think he understands how that's all going to work. And I would favor Aspinall, but I have to get into it a little bit more. Um, because I don't, I just don't know at this point how good Sergey is off of his back because he hasn't had to spend any time there. He's just knocking, he's just lamping fools in like three minutes or less. Volkov's gonna be interesting. I'm not really sure, but dude, Cyril Gan is gonna get like the toughest fights possible. He's gonna get the toughest fights possible. He can't like Cyril Gan absolutely killed himself with what he's been saying since his recent win, the Paris win. Like, I'm not fighting anybody unless it's for the belt. I'm not fighting Tom. That's a step backwards. He should have went all in on Pavlovich as soon as that fight ended. Like, it's crazy, man. Because, like, now God, like, I even see it on social media now. Like, people think, like, God, oh, well, God scared of Tom Aspinall. No, he's not, but it's just just have no names. Just be like, nah. The only thing that makes sense is the title. Like, come on, dude. Like, you gotta be better than that. He should have went full force on Sergey Pavlovich. Because that's a like that is a really interesting styles clash and a fight that I think Cyril God could win. Like I would probably pick Cyril God against Sergey Pavlovich. But he didn't do it. And now he is like out in the cold. So he might get Volkov. He might get Jailton Almeida. He might get Curtis Blades. Like, this is his future. He's going to have to work. He's basically the Magomed Ankalaya for the light heavyweight di- of the heavyweight division right now. And I'm not saying it's that's basically how they're looking at him, where he's going to have to, he might just be the guy. Like, he. He might be the best heavyweight left over when all things are settled here. Once Jones leaves, he might be the guy, but he's talked himself out of it. So he's, I mean, he's in a tough spot. He's got to get a really tough fight next. Really tough one. I kind of like if Jelton beats Derek Lewis, he's probably next. He probably gets the. He probably gets the Pavlovich Aspinall winner sometime next year. And Gon's going to have to fight somebody else. But who knows? And look, 
I don't think it's going to happen, but what if Derek Lewis somehow beats Jelton Almeida? You know how the UFC feels about Derek Lewis. Derek could have been a big free agent, could have made a whole bunch of money going elsewhere. Less than a week after that flying knee finish of Marcus Ruggieri de Lima, re-signs with the company. He's a company guy and a very popular one. He's probably the most popular heavyweight on the roster outside of John Jones. Don is... Don's going to be working for a hot minute. All right, we'll take two more. Clay and Brian, then I got to go. Clay, go ahead. Hello, Mike. Uh, I've been thinking about the depressing outcome of 294 and, you know, where the vote got knocked out in the first round. And uh, I was wondering, do you think it would have been a much competitive fight if uh, Mateusz Gamera would have fight against uh, Islam? I'm pretty sure it was not going to get knocked out in the first round, I'll tell you that. What do you think? Maybe, but again, like this is this is tough because I think I don't know if we, where we talked about this. I don't know if we talked about this on the ranking show or not, but it's it's so it's almost impossible to like look at that in hindsight now, just considering what happened. Because I think the feeling around it for most people is like, all right, this fight might not be as competitive as the first one, but I don't think anyone. I don't think a lot of people saw Makachev just wrecking Volk in the first round with a head kick. You know what I mean? So it probably, I'm sure Gamera would have been a little more intriguing, a little more interesting. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been a better fight after seeing what we saw. But again, does that interest people right now? Not really. And when you go to Abu Dhabi and Abu Dhabi pays you a bunch of money and they they want some sort of input on the quality of the card. And I think this is something that made them happy. As, as opposed to Batush Gamrat, who, while would have been a more interesting fight, the card would have done like 250,000 pay-per-view buys if Batush Gamrat was the main event and not Volkanovski. So, yeah, probably would have been a more competitive fight, but just very few people would have watched it. And now this also puts us in a in a better spot too. Because while that fight would have been more interesting, we also still would have had that Volkanovsky cloud hanging over the division. And as I like to say, and as Jed likes to say, and others at MAFighting.com like to say, it is we are overdue, especially at 155, for lightweights to fight for the lightweight title and featherweights to defend their featherweight title against featherweights i am long for a world where fighters stay in their division and just defend against the next guy now i didn't have a problem with volk stepping in but at the same token while you burnt the bridge and we're not going to see these two guys ever fight again if you're islam makachev if you're the lightweight division right now that was the best result you could possibly hope for because now that's it. We don't have to talk about Volk ever again. I'm not saying he could never get a lightweight title shot, but he's never fighting. He won't get a lightweight title shot as long as Makachev's champion. Makachev seems like a guy who could defend that title for a long-ass time. And now we get Gaethje. Maybe we get old. It could be Oliveira. Oliveira or Gaethje 
And then we get these other guys coming up. We got Sarukian. If he ends up fighting Dariush, that fight's still not done yet. We got even the Wiley vets like Bobby Green coming up. There's talks about maybe him fighting Dan Hooker later on this year. That fight's not done either. Like, and now, like, we get some movement in this friggin' division that we haven't had in so long. It's always the same guys. Always the same guys and the same matchups. Now we get a little bit, like, really starting the trend. And then Volk go back to 45. He can fight Deporia. This whole notion that Volk has cleaned out the division is just wrong. He hasn't. He's beat Max Holloway three times. He beat the Korean Zombie. He beat Yair, and he beat Brian Ortega. There's other guys. Teporia. We got Mavzar of Loyev. Coming up. He's fighting Arnold Allen. That's two new guys that he hasn't beat yet. Bryce Mitchell's coming up. Hasn't beat Bryce yet. And a whole bunch of other guys. Like Featherweight, it's always like, oh, well, Lightweight's the best division. Oh, Bantamweight's the best division. Want to know what's coming, what's what's on the way up as well? Featherweight. Giga Chikadze is still there. I don't think he's going to get to a title shot, but he could. UFC seems to really like him. You got guys like Nathaniel Wood. Well, not really Nathaniel Wood anymore, but guys like Lerone Murphy. Guys like Jonathan Pierce. And like just killers on the way up. People love Diego Lopez. People freaking love Diego Lopez. He's in the featured bout at Madison Square Garden. He has not cleaned out this division. He's far from it. Far from cleaning up the division. So, yeah. Short term would have been a better fight. But long term, feel bad for Volk. Dude took a chance and got annihilated. But now we can somewhat, at least as, as, as far as the UFC goes, somewhat get back to normal here. Although it's never really normal in the UFC because look what just happened earlier this week. But you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Brian, go ahead. Hey, Mike. How you doing today? Good. Good to hear. Uh, I, I tuned in a little late. I might have missed this. Uh, I just wanted to touch on, uh, obviously, 295 main event. Uh, and if you know of any uh, sort of news, if Stipe was actually offered it, because it makes no sense to me how Sergey is the backup, someone falls out. And then last night on Power Slaps conference, Dana says how um, it would be embarrassing to offer him an interim fight. So what's what's even the point of having Sergey as a backup there? Why not just have Tom and Sergey already scheduled as a backup? Um, just wanted to get your opinion on that and uh, just wanted to get your opinion on that. Thanks, Mike. I mean, I don't think it's totally ridiculous. Dana saying that. I really don't. I don't think it's totally ridiculous. He got, and, and also I think part of it is as well. Like, Stipe ain't fighting either of those guys. Like, they they know. Like, why would Stipe fight either of these guys? Makes absolutely no sense. He wants to fight John, and that's it. Nothing else interests Stipe. You want to know why I know that? Because he would have taken a fight before that, before this John Jones fight. He would have fought since losing the belt to Francis Ngannou. He would have fought Francis, he would have fought John, and that's it. Nobody else. So it, 
I think the UFC was probably well aware of that. Plus, I think there was a part of it too where it's like, yeah, it's disrespectful to even offer Stipe an interim title fight. And like, I think it's half that and half knowing that, well, we're not going to waste our time calling him because he's going to say no. And guess what? He should say no. He should absolutely say no. He gains nothing from beating either of those guys or losing to either of those guys. You lose to John Jones, like, it's okay. Like, you lost to the greatest fighter of all time. You lose to Tom Aspinall, like, boost Tom's stock. Does nothing for Stipe. Stipe riding off into the sunset, losing to Aspinall or Pavlovich and not getting the Jones fight, like, makes no sense. So, I get it. I get it. Stipe would not take it anyway, so... And he should not, absolutely should not take it. What's the point? All right, we'll take one more that I got. I really have to go. Uh, I am up against it here. I'll try to get Alex in here. If not, uh, that will be it. And it looks like we're getting the Wheel of Doom. Yep. The Wheel of Doom uh, has is still spinning, so I'll get us out of here. But I'm sure as I'm giving my exit speech, the Wheel of Doom will stop because that's what always happens. All right. I don't think it's going to happen this time. So, all right. Uh, we're done. Thank you for being flexible. Uh, normal time tomorrow. Don't you worry about that. 10.15-ish a.m. Eastern time. Get you ready for Fury. And Ganu, since there's no UFC this weekend, uh, please get your questions in to myself and my best friend, A.K. Lee. Uh, we're going to be recording our Ask Us Anything onto the next one show pretty much like right after we do this show. We're recording it tomorrow. So however you submit your matchmaking suggestions, uh, you can submit your questions there. We get some good ones. And we'll answer as many as we can. And we'll have a preview show tomorrow for Fury and Gano. That's at 1 p.m. Eastern. We will have BTL today. And it was time. It was time to get the band back together. It was time. It had been too long. So this week, not, we weren't even going to have Casey this week. So I have to produce the show myself on StreamYard, which the quality is not going to be as great, but at least you can still get the show. Uh, but it's going to be Jen Mishu and Brian Campbell of Morning Combat fame, which is going to be a lot of fun. We have a whole bunch to talk about. The fall of 294, this changes to 295, Fury and Ganu, all that fun stuff. So 12.30 p.m. Eastern, and it's going to be a good time. So we will see you then, and we'll see you here tomorrow, shortly after 10 a.m. Eastern time, right here on Heck of a Morning. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.